Hi guys! Welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I am your host, Monica, and I am joined by my awesome, awesome guest. Uh, he and I used to work together on like a little uh, online publication where we would talk about like movies and TV shows and stuff like that. But I'm going to let him introduce himself. Go ahead, take it away. Hello, I'm Jordan. Um, I'm I'm currently writing at the Cinema Spot and the Disney Insider. Um, as you can tell, I'm from England, so most of my Disney Insider work um, is European based. But on the Cinema Spot, I get to do anything, <laughs> and that's pretty much all I do right now. <laughs> I'm not very good at introductions. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. You know, like. You know, like cover letters when you apply for jobs, they're they're my worst enemy because mm. all it is is talking about yourself, and I'm just so bad at that. <laughs> yeah, I hate cover letters because they're like, "Tell us why you should have this job. Who are you? What are your ambitions? What are your goals?" It's like, "Give me the job. Give me the W two. Leave me alone." Oh, one hundred percent. I just feel like I know that you're meant to like. Basically, it's like bragging, but mm. I hate I hate doing that in like a formal saying <laughs> yes absolutely guys thank you so much for joining us we're back again for another episode another amazing guest and today guys we're talking about biopics because recently elvis came out in theaters and neither of us watched it but that doesn't mean we can't talk about biopics <laughs> <laughs> i literally i literally was like i need to make time to watch elvis i we scheduled this pod like a month ago so I had a whole month to like at least try and like watch the bootleg version, and guess who still didn't watch it? Me. <laughs> guess who still didn't watch it? Me. I've had so many opportunities to go see it, but mm-hmm. each time I've not been able to go. And then I was going to go to the cinema to see it, but then I saw loads of interviews with Austin Butler, mm-hmm. and to be honest, I've become a little bit of a hater, unpopular oh. opinion, because of his accent oh. that he's kind of stuck. No. With his <laughs> like Elvis drove that he's still kind of using kind of bothers me a bit. I don't know why. I'm I'm just a hater. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna hold that against you. Like the Elvis draw is like there was one um, interview he did where he was talking about how like you know is black culture and they brought music to us and I was like, sir, he shouted to the whole like. <laughs> white boy that kind of is insinuating that he likes black women and it's not working <laughs> it's not working i'm sorry hey, when when that happens i just think of chet hanks and his whole white oh boy summer my thing. Gosh. <laughs> white boy summer and all the memes that followed sir why did you do that to us why did you do that to us hello also it baffles me that that's tom hanks's son <laughs> Is it his son though? Because he still has a claim to him. I feel like I like to believe I like to believe that he wants people to think that he's Tom Hanks' son because they have the last name Hanks and they kind of look alike. And Tom Hanks is just pretending like, pretending like he doesn't exist. Because <laughs> I would be doing like I'm not. You know I don't blame him. I don't blame him. You know what I mean? He's worked too hard to be America's sweetheart for a son to come and mess it all up now. Like. <laughs> You know? But, He's uh, literally, like, America's dad as well. Yes! Like, and... <laughs> Imagine America's dad not want to claim you as their child. Imagine that. <laughs> I bet he was one of them kids that were like, Dad, I will be a rapper! And I was like, absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. I'm going to be a Toy Story. Do not mess this up for me. I'm about to be in the bag, all right? Me and your mom? No. Absolutely not. And you know his mom was, like, super nice. He's like, oh, well, honey, you have to do what you want to. And Tyler's like, no. No. All right. No M&M. No little none of that. None of that. So, yeah. Yes. Okay. So, let's get into Can't Wait to Watch. The segment we talk about movies and TV shows we can't wait to see that are coming out soon. Um, one thing that I've been meaning to watch is Savage Beauty on Netflix. It's like the South African soap drama. And I want to get into it because I've been getting really into like K-drama films. And yep. Netflix is hopping into their African bag. Best believe I'm hopping right back in with them. Because I cannot I, wait. I haven't heard of this film. That's another thing. Netflix has so many good things on there, and yet they keep, like, not, I don't say stifling, but, like, like, they just need better, I've talked about this on several podcasts, they just need to get better at their marketing. Oh, 100%, because there'll be, like, one or two things that you'll hear about constantly before it comes out, mm-hmm. and then there'll be other things that I will log on, and I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting, shame I've never heard of it, and mm-hmm. literally the whole world hasn't, and then they'll cancel it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, it really is annoying to see, like, you know, like, Queen's Gambit, people love that show, but I'm sure there mm-hmm. were, like, ten other shows that came out around the same time Queen's Gambit came out, but nobody knew, because everyone was watching Teen yeah. Teen, Teen, what? I don't know. Also, there was a show called I'm Not Okay With This that came out that kind of yeah. fit into Netflix's, like, young children portfolio kind of and they canceled that show even though like it was pretty good and people really liked it and then there's a show called the society that they had and then they renewed it for season two and they canceled it a week later yeah and i think with it was the was um i'm not okay with this the one with the the girl from it yes the character i think they renewed that as well and then yeah. reversed their decision it really is it like you kind of see the things that netflix greenlets like green lighting the gray man which oh, obviously they did because like the russo brothers mm. i feel like the russo brothers are a good example that directing a marvel movie does not mean you're a good director oh 100 yeah. percent. I, I watched the gray man today and it was hard to get through and i'm a massive ryan gosling fan and it just was not hitting any of my buttons i just wanted to switch it off but i made a mistake of already logging it on letterboxd and i saw i already felt a bit committed to do it <laughs> <laughs> And it just kind of became background noise, to be honest. <laughs> really? Like, you have two two of the safest white men in Hollywood in your movie. And, like, I am no longer impressed by, from the directors of Captain America Civil War, it's like... Yeah. I'm not impressed anymore. I'm sorry. No, especially, did you watch Cherry last year? No, I didn't watch Cherry. I was not going to see that. You have Tom Holland playing a bank robber going on this Bonnie and Clyde heist with the girl from Big Time Rush? I'm good. <laughs> I'm, what else has she been in besides Big Time Rush and the Red Band Society? Which was the show on Fox I have, where I have everyone, no was idea. Like, everyone was like sick and Olivia Spencer played a nurse again. And was like, okay. So. Cherry was such a bizarre experience. There is yeah. one shot in it. I don't know if you heard about it when he's like... I think it's when he got first goes into prison mm-hmm. and they're searching him and there was a shot in it that is so bizarre and out of left field that it's just like so unnecessary. I don't want to say it on your podcast, but, but yeah, <laughs> it was just 
<laughs> it's just like, mm, it's too much. This is too oh, much. Oh, it was, it was far too much. Yeah. I've never seen a shot like that in a serious film before. Like, yeah. <laughs> I get that, yes. Um, there is one thing I'm interested to see on Netflix. It's called Day Shift, and it stars uh, Jamie Foxx. It's basically this horror comedy. I think he's basically just a vampire hunter. And it has Dave Franco in it. And I have to say, Dave Franco, being a comedic actor, is the perfect... Is, like, one of the most perfect transitions I've ever seen. Because, like, him just solo sailing and, like, just being in love with our girl from Community. <laughs> oh, girl, but you can't remember her name. Oh, oh my God, I was right at me! Wait, no. Is it Alison Brie? Alison Brie! <laughs> wow. Wow. I saw A and B and I was like, ooh, we're almost there, we're almost there. Like, the fact that I don't, I, I can't forget her name because I love Glow. I love The Little yep. Hours. I've, I will watch anything she's in. I tried to watch that horse movie she was in. I did. I tried. Oh, Horse Girl. Yes. I actually quite liked that. You did? I did, in a weird way. <laughs> I'm okay. not sure why I liked it. <laughs> I'm going to have to give it a try then. I did try to watch it a little bit, and I was like, you know what? This might be the one I sit out. But, you know. Try and stick through it, because it's not the worst film I have on Netflix. But it's not the best film, but it's it's definitely not the worst film. <laughs> That's not the worst film they have on Netflix. It's such an interesting statement. Because you could just... Yeah. It does get worse. It does get worse. <laughs> it can get a lot worse. It could get a lot worse. But this one, Day Shift, I hope it's good, because... I tried to watch uh, another Netflix movie. It had uh, Terry Crews in it. It was John Henry. That was horrible. That was absolutely horrible. The CGI was terrible. Ludacris was in it at one point, which I was kind of like, uh, okay. Because I think Ludacris is a good actor, but he doesn't get, like, he doesn't take on, like, I don't want to say good roles, but, like, I want him to take, like, a solid, interesting role. Because I feel like Ludacris is a good actor, and he's very handsome. Yeah. Like, he's very, yeah. very handsome. I would love to look walk, look at him for, like, two hours. You know what I mean? Not in a weird way, but, like, you know. And, like, a movie cut away. The same with Andrew Garfield. Yeah, he's I very handsome be. and a good actor, you know? Yeah. Yes. So, Day Shift is something I can't wait to watch. It's coming out on Netflix. And also, Jamie Foxx. I just want to say this. Jamie Foxx is a renaissance man. He is a savant. Okay? He is amazing. He is a dancer. He is an actor. He is a singer. He is a writer. Jamie Foxx starred in my favorite biopic, Ray, and honestly, he was perfect for that movie because his career was directly influenced by the music Ray Charles made, so for him to play him in a movie is astounding, and it is amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I love him. I've not, I've not seen Ray. I've only seen bits of it. Let me tell you something. And the... Watching Ray, I watched it when I was, like, young. Like, far too young to watch it, as I watched a lot of show movies in my childhood, because for some reason, um, immigrant parents could show their young children adult films. Like, your oh, parents yep. are watching the movie, yep. and you'll start watching it, and they just don't... You're just watching it with them? It's like, okay, yeah. we're, watch, we're all watching Kill Bill as a family. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty much how it went down in my house. Yeah. There was, uh, we, there was only, like, two films that were banned in our house, and it was... Child's Play and The Exorcist, but mm. everything else was, it was fair game. We could watch anything pretty much as long as our parents were in the room. But South Park did get banned for a time because mm. I was like a five-year-old swearing around the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, South Park a family guy for us. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I have, is there anything you're excited to watch that's coming out soon? People always surprised by this, but Hocus Pocus 2. I'm really excited for it. <laughs> because I love the first one. It's like my childhood <coughs> film. I had it on like videotape and everything. Mm. And yeah, I'm just so excited for the second one. Um, other than that, I can't even think of any films that are coming out on the top of my head. There I have are... to look at my letterbox watch oh, list. Nope is coming out soon. Well, Nope might be out. Oh, Maybe. yes. Nope. I am looking forward to that. Yeah. I was meant to go to a screening of it like yesterday but i couldn't make it so now i have to wait like two weeks because it doesn't come out here until like the 11th of august you need to tell me how you get invited to screen screenings because i want to i want to be that girl you know oh i will i will send you some email links oh my gosh please because the thing is well you're going to be different because you live in the uk and i live in atlanta so um um all my links are primarily primarily uk but i do have access to some us-based emails because um uh, i had a habit back in the day of emailing the wrong people and mm. i didn't realize that they were like the american ones and then they would usually loop me in because okay. you go on websites it's not very clear when it says like at disney.com it doesn't really specify where they are so i would just like email them like hi <laughs> and then they'll tell me oh no we're we're in the us and like oh okay and then they'll Either they'll loop you in, or they'll just be like, "That's that's it." They just won't reply. <laughs> but um, yeah, I can I can send you some emails. Okay, editor, please cut this out. So, like, quick question. All right, when yeah. I send the email, should I be like, "Hi, I'm Monica. I'm host of what? Da, 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 da. I'd love to screener, or like, I'd love to be invited to screen it." Is that it? Basically, like. Um, I ask if I can. I my usual go to ask is to be asked to uh, is to ask to be added to their like press media list. And then just kind of go from there. And then depending on the company, um, they will add you to the list, but then they won't send you invites. Sometimes you just have to ask for them. Like with Sony, some people I know get like automatic invites, whereas I generally have to ask if there's any seats available. And same with Disney, but with Warner Brothers and Paramount, it's just kind of automatic. They'll just send me an invite. So it really depends. But I just... so. Because I don't know how they work a lot of the time. I just ask to be added to their press list. Okay. Added. And with with Disney Plus as well in America and Netflix as well, it's a lot easier to get screeners if you're in North America. Because like with Netflix, um, as far as I know, all the critics get like automatic screeners, whereas we have to request like everything we want to watch. And a lot of the time, they don't even give them out to us. Like Stranger Things is usually like a no-go. <laughs> Whereas we'll hit, we'll hear about all the the fun the Americans are having with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm taking notes on this. Okay, Warner Brothers, Paramount, Disney Plus, Netflix, go ahead. And um, with Disney Plus in the US, they have a I don't know if they've changed it, but they used to have a Google Doc form that you'd fill in requesting what film or show you want how to have access to, and then they'll they'll then like email you like months later close to the time to confirm or deny whether you got it. I'm not sure if they've gotten rid of that. But and and since then I've now been transferred to the UK account so I just have to ask and it's like all case by case. Okay. Got it. Got but, it. Yeah. I will definitely I'm gonna make a media kit basically and like a little yeah. cover letter. And then you can send me those emails and I'll just email them all and just see what I get. Yeah. Yeah, just um, remind me um, tomorrow because I'll probably go straight to bed after this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, remind you tomorrow. I will. Got it. 
Yeah, I think by the time we're done, it might be around 1.30 a.m., and I'll probably just go straight to bed. And i got a brand-new mattress, so I'm excited to try it out. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay. All right. um, I guess we could just hop right into the biopic conversation. So first thing I want to say is that, like, me, myself, and I, I used to love biopics. Like, I used to think biopics were really fun, and I was someone who never really liked documentaries, because I felt like they are too much like school, like they're too educational, yeah. they're too, like, informative or stuff like that, but as I've gotten older and, like, watched and consumed more media, obviously I've realized that, like, a lot of biopics are kind of, like, the overdramatic citation, or, like, <clears throat> kind of like the watered-down version of someone's life, and a lot of times yeah. they'll focus on, like, a certain event... Or they'll kind of cut people out, cut certain things out, change things to kind of fit the director's vision. And as I lean more towards documentaries, even documentaries are kind of like, you got to double check and make sure they actually like went and got their info. Because some Netflix documentaries, it feels like they just let anybody with like a good camera and like maybe like a really nice, you know, they got Final Cut Pro. And they just let that send yeah. that film to Netflix, and essentially it's like a whole thing. Also, by yeah. the way, did you know you can submit your films to Amazon, and they just put it on there? Oh, really? Yes. Oh, wait, no, I didn't know that. Someone I used to work with, um, someone I used to work with, he knows someone who made like a little indie film, uh-huh. and it's on Amazon Prime, and we watched it, and it was quite the experience. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um yeah, he submitted it and they put it on there. I don't. I'm not entirely sure why because it's like a. I would say it's a home movie. Uh huh. <laughs> um. No, go ahead. Oh no, that that was it. Yeah, this is a home movie. <laughs> the only reason I say this is because a while ago, I don't know if you know the YouTuber Curtis Connor. Um, uh, he's like a pretty famous YouTuber based in Canada, but he's very popular in the U.S. And he watched this movie called uh 2025 the world enslaved by a virus which is obviously <gasps> like mm-hmm. i know that <laughs> yeah it's, it's the lowest rated film on letterbox oh my god wait <laughs> really the yeah, lowest ever, rated yeah. film yeah i like i like to check because uh, they have like the top 250 and obviously out of respect to other films they don't have a bottom list so mm-hmm. i like to go out my way to check and that's currently the lowest one what's the second lowest one um, I'll have to check. I'll check now. Okay, I'm just gonna talk about this movie a little bit. Basically, it's obviously like anti-mask propaganda. Um, oh my gosh, I'm looking at it right now. It has 0.8 on Letterbox <laughs> out of five. <laughs> oh my gosh, damn, that's gotta be hard. Oh, you can give half stars on Letterbox, so that makes sense why it's 0.8. But like this whole movie, oh my gosh, the way he was talking about it and like. Watching it through him was an experience of itself, but like the fact that like this movie is written by somebody who isn't even from America, he's German. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and it it seems like it's a very very religious film. It is as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's actually the second lowest now. It's <clears throat> been beaten by made. I I don't know. I'm going to butcher this name. Made in Malakanang. I, I don't know. Historical revisionism, revisionism at its finest, and it doesn't. And its its uh, description is a new Daryl Yap abomination. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I see it now. Made in Malakanak. Oh my gosh! Wow, that is this is an interesting 
This is some interesting things I've seen here. The fact that, like, all the links for this movie are, like, not for websites I've ever heard of in my life is interesting. The fact <laughs> that, like, Letterboxd is the only place that, like, is a regular, reputable place that's, like, reported on this film is also Yeah, I trust it more than IMDb at this point in time. <laughs> wow. Oh, Philippine uh, revisionist history. Wow. Okay. Wow. The anti-letterbox 250. Ah, I see. I see. Okay. Well, it's good to know. Nice to know what movies I absolutely will not be wasting my time on. Yes. Um, what were we talking about? Biopics? Yes, biopics. Yeah. <laughs> How did I get to... Never mind. It doesn't matter. Anyways, <laughs> there are a lot of biopics coming out this year. There are two about Josephine Baker. I think three. One of them starts Janelle Monet, but I don't think I'm going to watch them, to be honest. Uh, Anna de Armas is starring in the Marilyn Monroe biopic for Netflix, which, you know, I love for her. And if this gets her, like, an Oscar nom, that's great. Golden Globe win, great. Um, Jamie Foxx and Trevante Rhodes are starring in separate biopics about Mike Tyson's life, I think. Oh, really? Yes. Mike Tyson. Is, is, one has to be unofficial, surely, and one one is... I think they're both official. Authorized. The thing about it is that, like, all of these movies are slated to come out in time for next award season. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And there's also an Emmett Till biopic that's going to come out. Yeah, I was about to say that one. I'm, I'm not sure about that <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah. Absolutely not. You yeah. Know, that I... lady is hiding in New York somewhere. And, <laughs> yeah, and they, they found that there was a warrant out for her arrest that's still valid as well. They need to find her. <laughs> they need yeah, to find they, her. This was like this was like this month as well. They they found it from like the seventies or something. It was it was like issued or something. I'm, don't quote me on the year, but I think it was the seventies. And they found it, and it's and I think it's still a valid document. So they could go out their way and find her, which they should. There were people on TikTok. They were like, oh, she's not actually alive. And then there are people in the comments like, Ruby Bridges is still alive. Yeah. Like, yeah. What's, when, what year did Emmett Tilt pass away uh, I, when he was killed? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure my parents were alive. I'm going to look that up right now. I absolutely hate that there's an Emmett Till biopic coming out because that's the last mm. thing we need. I don't know who asked for that anyways. Because, like... It just, it just feels like just black trauma awards bait as usual once again like he in 1955 it happened yeah so my mum was alive so my dad wasn't born yet but my mum was alive no Whoopi Goldberg being a producer yeah and she's in it as well yeah and Emmett Till's mum only passed away not not a long long time ago as well oh this is bad oh this is bad so when people say it happened so long ago the thing is, the director for the Emmett Till biopic also directed Clemency, and I love that movie. It stars, um, oh my gosh, our queen. Wow. No, is that not... one with Alfred Wood... yes. Woodard? Woodard? Woodard. Alfred Woodard. It was such a good movie, and it was absolutely ignored during award season, which is mm. awful, because Clemency was, a, was ignored, but Just Mercy was, like, given... Which like I don't want to I don't want to pit two bad girls against each other. But 
Just Mercy? Is that the same? Did not get the same performance that Clemency did. Alfred Woodard has been an actress in this industry for so long. She is amazing. She is talented. She is hardworking. She deserves her flowers. Like, y'all, it pisses me off. Like, <laughs> I'm about to go on a tangent. I'm so sorry. But, like, there are so many amazing black actresses that have been working in Hollywood for years. Longer than a lot of these white actresses that have gotten more awards, more accolades, and a lot more press than they have. Like, the fact that Cheryl Lee Ralph, after working in this industry for 50 years, just got nominated for an Emmy, which she has been in yeah. several... She's been This is not her first sitcom. This is not her first sitcom. Okay? Y'all are going to piss me off. And it's just like... I could scream to the hills about how frustrating this is and about how annoyed yeah. I am. Like, there's also Ingenue Ellis, who is also an amazing actress, who finally got a nomination for an Academy Award, even though she has been acting for so long and has been in so many different things. Like, she was in Lovecraft, Lovecraft County, obviously re- recently King Richard. She's also on 61st Street with our man, um, Courtney. She's also in Gifted Hands and then The Book of Negroes. The fact that she was in Gifted Hands, oh my gosh, I completely forgot about that. With Courtney B. Vance, she's in 61st Street. And I could talk about this forever, obviously, but... Yeah. Gosh, I just... I just, I like Clemency more, and like, you know, you're right. Um, the Emmett Till biopic is definitely just repackaged black trauma, which is very frustrating, because like, it's annoying to see films regarding black trauma get awarded at the Oscars and then mm. films that don't center around that but are still very very good and deserve like accolades and press and deserve to have people talk yeah. about it are ignored like the last black man in San Francisco I love that movie but it got completely ignored during the award season when it came out yeah yeah and then you have films that do get nominated but then they get nominated for like two things mm-hmm. and like Hidden Figures was such a big success when that came out and it was nominated for like three Oscars which you know it's more than most films but still considering the huge ensemble cast it had and only Octavia Spencer was nominated that really frustrated me especially how um oh who was in it oh it escapes me now um who was in the main actor it was Taraji P. Henson Janelle Monet. yes Taraji P. Henson how she she should have been nominated for best actress of that she like led the film all three and... of them won SAG awards which is great but you know yeah it's very clear when they give out like I don't want to I don't want to say this but like awards that are like seen as participation trophies and then like the awards you know yeah yeah like one that's well, two that still gets me is Quivenge mm-hmm. Wallace losing to I think it was Je- um I'm not good with names today Jennifer from Hunger Games yeah. <laughs> Jennifer. Is her name even Jennifer? Jennifer Lawrence. That's it, Jennifer Lawrence, yeah. yeah. I she won for Silver Linings Playbook and I rewatched that film the other day and I just don't understand why <laughs> she won. Like no offence to her. But I think Provenjane Wallace, who was what, like five when she filmed that film and she was outstanding and also Gabrielle Sedeve in Precious. Mm-hmm. That was just like a momentous role especially for someone who's never acted on such a professional scale before. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic they both got nominated, but to snub, well, not not snub because she was nominated, but not to, for them not to win. Yeah. Just, I just, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard to, for, it's, 
it's to me it's obvious that race played a role in them not winning because I feel like if if Grinchney Wallace was this little white girl, mm-hmm. she probably would have won because it was such a spectacular performance from a five year old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, sorry, I think I interrupted you. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine if you interrupt me. I also wanted to say that she did go on to like continue to act in different things like she was in trolls um she was in beyonce's lemonade she was in 12 years of slave she was the star of annie you know but it's very clear to me that like yes race played a role in it but also quajene i feel like deserved this is gonna mm, i don't mean to say this in a rude way because this also bounces off something that people talk about on twitter but a lot of actresses that are not white bring more flavor they bring more talent they bring a lot more just like they embody so much more in the characters that they play on screen and more actresses like this deserve the zendaya treatment where they are in everybody's mouths they are considered for roles they're constantly being fan casted and like i love anya taylor joy i love anna de amas i love those girls i truly do i love sydney sweeney i think she's amazing but, like, yeah. <clears throat> it's very clear when, like, actresses like Quanshanae Wallace or, like, Lovey S- Simon are in these roles and they just act all the way down and their projects either don't get enough um, praise or they get praise for certain projects. But then after that, it completely dies down. It's radio silence yeah. and you just leave them in the dust. Like, I, yeah. the, last time I sh- the last time I heard about her should not have been for that one Blackish episode she was in. You know, yeah. Uh, like it's not fair. You know, it's not fair. Yeah. And I, the industry pisses me off so much. And that does piggyback off. <laughs> I like, agree with you. It piggyback. Like I want to piggyback off like what Kiki Palmer said. Like how you know colorism is obviously a huge problem in Hollywood, and it is also like kind of feeds into like the kind of colorism is meant to you know obviously favor lighter skinned people of color over darker skinned people of color and usually it affects black women which is why we have a lot of people like which is why like amandala not why but you know amandala laura harrier yar shahidi they are a lot more well known and you can name more lighter skinned actresses mainly black actresses under the age of 30 that have had leading roles rather than darker skinned actresses under the age of 30 because yeah so much i say letitia wright and i was like okay Someone else. And they said, Issa Wright. I'm like, Issa is over 30. Somebody else. <laughs> like. Yeah. And a lot of and a lot of them seem to be biracial mm-hmm. women as well. She's biracial. And... <laughs> She's biracial. She's biracial. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that man has done a song for like every race? Yeah, there's like a white woman one, and there's no. like I'm pretty sure there's like a a dark skinned black woman one as well. We're done. <laughs> We're okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're saying right? Yeah, um, like just um, I I you know I'm I'm biracial myself, and it really annoys me when biracial people take roles that were obviously made for you know darker skinned people. Oh, you know, like, when Shahidi um, was in that one movie with Charles Melton, and she was supposed to play a Jamaican immigrant. Oh, oh what was that called? I read the book. Um, I know what you're talking about. I read the book, and yeah. then I watched the film, and I was just and full then, of And then Amanda, in the movie, where, the Black Lives Matter movie, 
withholding uh, oh, from Kakiko. Euphoria. Yes, the hate yeah, you give. She's like, like a whole family's dark skinned and then there's her. And like, no, I know that can happen. Why did Angie Thomas have to come and defend the film? She's a, she's a writer, <laughs> not a director. She's not a casting director. <laughs> it really cool. annoys me as well that in the credits of that film, they had the girl on the cover, the yeah. dark skinned girl. She's yeah. in the credits in like an animation. And yeah. it didn't make sense considering they hired like a, a biracial woman to play that exact character. <laughs> like... Hello? Yeah, like, I mean, I'm biracial, and, you know, I look at myself, and I do kind of just, you know, other people call me black all my life, so I refer to myself as black, but mm-hmm. even, uh, even you know, I do have that level of self-awareness that, you know, that, you know, certain spaces aren't meant for us, you know, in the politest way I can put that, you know, I, I just, I don't understand how someone who, you know, doesn't look like me, but someone of my complexion could take a role that is obviously not meant for someone that looks like us, like like in The Hate You Give, where all her family are, are dark-skinned, and then there's, you know, clearly biracial daughter. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know that can happen, because genetics are, you know, a bingo mm-hmm. at the end of the day, but yeah. it seems to happen very often in films. Like with Zoe Deschanel being in uh, the Nina Simone biopic. The what, sorry? Zoe Saldana? Why does it Deschanel? You Zoe said Sal- Deschanel. Yes, I didn't mean to say Zoe Deschanel. I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to say her. You're good, girl. I was going to say that. That's a whole different this level. This new girl, you're good. You're good. I'm with Zoe Saldana <laughs> being in the Nina Simone biopic. Where she did blackface, right? Yes. Pretty much. And she had this yeah. aesthetic nose. And she apologized Oof. for it in 2020. Which is kind of like, there are a lot of very uh, retroactive apologies in 2020. Like Allison Green yeah. playing Diane Wooten in Bojack Horseman, which oh, I must yeah. not be a real fan. I didn't know it was her. I didn't know until she apologized, and I was like, "Oh, wait." I, I think is it I'm with you I don't think I realized it was her either. If that's true, I need Jenny Slate to apologize for voicing a black girl in Big Mouth. Because as much as I love you, girl, yeah, a young black girl in Big Mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of oh. like. It's like, why is the only person of color in your cast Jason Matsukas? And I don't even know... Mm. Is he? Like, the Uncharted games, in the newer games, there's a black woman in it, mm-hmm. in it, and she's played by a white woman who also does, like, her motion capture and everything, and she does the voice and puts on this voice, and playing the game, knowing it, it just kind of ruined it, considering. And, you know, their excuse was that they designed the character after they cast the actress, but it's just like, well, then just make her white. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's giving Ghost and Shell. Yeah. Oh, don't even give me started. With that. <laughs> I got, uh, my dad wanted to watch that, so I was like, okay, well, I can't go say no if it because like I always pick the films at the cinemas, and uh-huh. he really wanted to see this, and he he didn't know anything about the controversy until the car arrived there when I just kind of ranted, and he was like, oh, well, I'm not looking forward to this now. <laughs> yeah. But, when Scarlett Johansson said that she doesn't she doesn't play a Japanese character, and then she just you watch the film and she just flat out lies. She goes to meet her Japanese mom, and then she sees her Japanese gravestone. And I was sat there like I thought you didn't play a Japanese character, which was like you just lied. <laughs> the movie didn't even break the box office, I don't believe. So no, it was, it was it was for nothing. Yeah, like the only good thing I can say about it is the. The costume design and the visual effects and the production design, that was the three good things. Everything else was just kind of 
pointless because I watched the anime in preparation for the film and it's pretty much exactly the same. It just seems a bit redundant to yeah. do almost a shot-for-shot remake. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but Zoe Saldana playing Nina Simone, I this film came out in 2016 and it has a 2% mm. around Tomatoes. That <laughs> literally... And like, I didn't even watch the movie because why would I even bother with that? Like, I'm not going to do that. Mm. I'm not going to bother. Because Nina Simone is a phenomenal singer and just an amazing woman who is very smart and just very well-defined and sophisticated. And if you watch her interviews, you learn so much from her and her life. Like, her and Eartha Kitt and Lauren Hill are these women in music who are black women and they made their way if they paved the way by their lyricism and their voice and the way they carry themselves and when you watch their interviews you just see that their souls are just so like grounded and in what they say is yeah. like so refined and just amazing and it's stuff that you could still carry on like the things Nina someone talks about in her interviews from the time where she was just like this well-known jazz musician is still relevant to this day but to have a movie that's supposed to be portraying her life by somebody who does not look like her is a slap yeah. in the face to her legacy because the one thing that also is great about Nina Simone and also right about Lauren Hill is that they're both black women but their complexion is something that plays into like you know how great they are and like many yeah. people could look at Nina Simone and see that she's not conventionally attractive you know but she's still someone who's beautiful and has a beautiful soul and to yeah. have somebody who is seen as just beautiful and pretty, like Zoe Saldana is, and I think that Zoe is a good actress, but to have someone who's simply just, like, pretty and popular play a role to try and sell it and get people to watch it simply because a person is in it, it's not the way to do it. Like, Ana de Armas, very beautiful, wonderful actress at that, and her playing Marilyn Monroe isn't too far from it because the makeup and the costume design they've done for the film kind of fits, and I know that she'll play the role well, and she obviously will take it seriously. But to have somebody who is just born outside of the parameters of the life that Nina Simone has lived kind of speaks to how yeah. biopics work, where a lot of directors care more about selling tickets and getting the box office numbers and hopefully yeah. getting the award show buzz, that they don't really care about the person's story or portraying it in a, like, in a light that is honest and sincere like I get it's a movie obviously it's a movie but like it's the same thing with like House of Gucci which I don't want to like <laughs> I don't know who I'm listening to. but like you know the fact that like you made a biopic about somebody who's living and a family that's still existent and they went on the record or like we don't like this movie it's trash the yeah. person that Lady Gaga plays said that she didn't even meet with her so screw the movie and she tries to say it in the nicest way possible but like so it's, like, then Lady Gaga being like, oh, well, I didn't meet with her because, like, I don't condone what she did. Then why are you playing her? Why are you playing her? <laughs> why are we here? I think, I think the moment you find out a biopic isn't, like, at least, um, you know, like, authorized or at least given the family's blessings, mm. shut it down. <laughs> and I think it should be a standard if you're playing someone who is still alive. I think it's a standard that you should go and at least try and make an effort to meet them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in some cases they may not want to meet you. And I guess if you've already signed on to the role, you can't really back out. But, you know, she she openly said she made no effort to go meet her. I don't know how... I, I, I would hate if 
someone made a movie about my life and I didn't even know who this person was. And there are other biopics that have come out that um, are not have been not have not been well received, like Green Book and how that whole movie is completely different from like the Green Book essentially was something that African Americans used during the times of like the civil rights era. I believe maybe like in the fifties and forties, I might be wrong, but it was around that time where they used that book to know which hotels they could stay at so that they wouldn't wake up with family members missing or they wouldn't wake up with like people with torches and like flaming torches on the lawn. Like they needed to know where they could sleep at if they were traveling, where it was safe to pump their gas, you know, that kind of thing. But the movie turned into Driving Miss Daisy, where there was a black piano player with an Italian driver, and the uh, the white Italian man showed the black man fried chicken for the first time, which is historically inaccurate, because black people fried chicken as a part of their daily cuisine during that time, which is why people think that black people like fried chicken but like it's part of history so yeah. for him to not know that fried chicken exists doesn't make any sense and like Mahershala yeah. winning an Oscar for that movie and not for Moonlight I'm sorry huh or he, not he, for... he did win for Moonlight oh he did yeah he's got two yeah. oh right he did win for Moonlight because it was the same year that Lion came out and Def Patel was nominated for the same Oscar I think yeah I think so I think and so yeah I think yeah and Mahershala Yes, Mahershala won. Because yes. Moonlight only won like three awards, and yes. one of them was for Mahershala. Yes. Okay. 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 Good. 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 Yeah. I'm, I was wrong. Thank you for correcting me on that. But like, That's okay. It's still kind of like, why would you bother making a movie if it's not going to be accurate? Also, the man yeah. that Mahershala portrays in the movie, his real life family spoke out against the film, and that's yeah. the same thing with. I forget what movie it was. But also, Octavia Spencer produced that film. And oh. Octavia. Hidden figures. I do have I have some issues with Octavia. Not her, specifically mm. her agent. Because if you look at her three Oscar-nominated roles, two of them have been for playing cleaners, yes. and only one has been for, like, a different role, yes. which was Hidden Figures, where she was a scientist. Mm-hmm. And then it was The Help and The Shape of Water, and yes. both of those she's a maid. Yes. And I was just thinking... I know she plays other roles, but uh-huh. the big Oscar Beatty films she does, she always seems to be two out of the three. She seems to be a maid. I feel like I would hire a new agent if that if that was the case. If these are the only roles I'm getting nominated for an Oscar for, and she's won an Oscar, so mm-hmm. she has the she's shown she has the chops to do you know any role. And I did not know she produced that. <laughs> I hope that's another kind of agent thing <laughs> that got in the way of. <laughs> I don't know because like. The thing is that she talked about how um, after she was she got an Oscar for the help, she got all these roles offered to her to play nurses and to play maids. And I can understand accepting a role for the bag because you want to work in Hollywood, and I get that. Yeah. But also, Hidden Figures is that kind of movie where you have like mainly black people rising above the odds and overcoming and making history but there's a white person helping them along and green yeah, book plays and, into that role and so does blindside you know yeah those, oh blindside yeah those movies are like you see somebody you see a black person kind of rising above the odds and beating their circumstances and achieving great things but it's only because there's a white person there with them you know what i mean yeah and 
and like Michael Keaton's character, I think it's Michael Keaton in Hidden Figures, mm. doesn't even exist. Mm. And there's that whole scene where he breaks the yes, um, Carlo bathroom. Yes, it didn't happen. No, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, as much as I enjoy that film, once I found that out, I kind of ruined it a bit. Yeah, it takes away from the story because it really does because they're they're making up stuff you know that didn't only happen, but they're really trying to build. They they're like inadvertently. Building up a white savior narrative. They're trying to insert in the film in the movie. that doesn't need it. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Because these movies have to appeal to certain audiences, and audience those same audiences kind of align with the people who vote for these Oscars. You know, yeah. who are part of the you know Academy, the voting board, and you know to have that one good person who is like all the other people hate them, but there's a one good white person there. And you know what? That one good white person, I see myself in them. I see myself in them. And it's like, do you really? Like, be for real. Be for real right now. Please. Did you, um, did you read the article that came out before Green Book won Best Picture where I can't remember the name or who wrote it, but um, they predicted Green Book was going to win because they said older white voters in the academy we're going to vote for it because they will see it as like this big momentous historical mm. change in the academy you know you know this this big emotional film about race is going uh, you know we've, we're going to vote for it we're going to nominate it because because we've done wrong in the past but they can't see the fact that green book is a problematic film mm-hmm. and then it and then i i read it like oh that won't happen surely and then it <laughs> won and then it won yeah mm. compared to oh was Roma? I think Roma was nominated Roma that was year. Roma was nominated. Black Panther was nominated. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is the thing. Black Panther and Roma are going to well, especially Roma. Roma for sure will be studied in like film classes, yeah. and then I feel like Black Panther will also be studied in um more of his in more of like a black black classes, mm-hmm. black film classes. A Green Book is going to be forgotten about because it's Green just Book so. Green going to end up in the bargain bin at Walgreens. Oh, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. It's it, and as you said, it's just driving Miss Daisy. You know, like it really is frustrating when um, you see a project being announced and you have such high hopes for it. You know, mm. and you're just like, just be good, <laughs> just be good, <laughs> just be good. And like, there's nothing about Green Book that at first, like when I first saw it, that was like, you know what? Maybe this will be okay. Maybe this will be all right. And then yeah. the reviews came out, and I was like, "Oh, let me wait," because like sometimes I don't read. I read reviews, but like I take them with a grain of salt because you know oh, people same. when people yeah. give reviews, they're reviewing the film obviously, but they're also giving their own opinion, and opinions are based off of, like circumstances of what people think about certain things. Like I will stand by this: the reviews for *Wrinkle in Time*. You're wrong. That movie is a masterpiece. You put Ava DuVernay I... and Oprah Winfrey together. I love it. I really like *A Wrinkle in Time*. Yeah. I I read the book before it came out because I was kind of excited for the film. And then I saw I saw all the reviews and, you know, when, when the embargo lifts one day before the film comes out, that's usually a really bad sign. So I went in really expecting nothing, but I came out and I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was accurate enough to the book. I thought it was a fun adventure. And seeing a little black girl on this big, you know, 
science fiction YA adventure is something that never happens mm-hmm. so I enjoyed it for that but then the people I was with you know who were all white and were just like oh it's awful one star I was just like you're just you're not you seeing see what I'm vision. seeing you don't yeah. see it. you don't get it it's art you don't understand yeah you open up your third eye like yeah like there was some wonky visual effects mm-hmm. that you know I can't really you know I can criticize that and there was some aspects but it's like with any film no film is perfect but I don't think you know, it's exactly what Brie Larson said. People have a go at her, but she was right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, white men complaining about a wrinkle of time, a film that was not made for them. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, it's very clear that, like, you know, certain people that like review films, like Green Book, having a ninety-five percent of Raw Tomatoes. Okay. <laughs> hmm. My God. <laughs> Why? Why though? Are we watching the same movie? Are we watching the same movie? <laughs> oh no! I watched. I recently watched a film. I cannot remember the name. It was on Disney Plus over here. It's the one with Whoopi Goldberg and Ted Danson, where they find out um, her daughter, her sperm donor, was white, and they thought it was a black man, and it turns mm. out it's Ted Danson. Can't remember the name of the film. So I'm. It's while called I talk Made about in America. It, that's it. Made in America. Uh-huh. On on. On Letterboxd, it's like highest rating is like two. Ooh. So I, I was already watching it when I had a look. So I was like, oh, it must be bad. But I thought it was really good. And yeah. then I saw all the reviews. Saw all the reviews. And they're all just people who the film wasn't made for. You know, mm-hmm. white people. And that seems to be a common f- thread mm-hmm. I've noticed on Letterboxd. You know, people, you know, people who aren't black will give... will give black movies lower scores yeah and i'm not saying it's because they're racist but they're obviously not seeing something that we're seeing that we are there's a yeah. kind of humor that we get that they kind of don't get and sometimes they can roll with yeah. it but like it's like movies like white men don't jump or like bringing down the house or are we there yet or sister act where you watch those movies and you get it because you kind of see the people that you know and you grow up with in those films and there's like the stupid white person there i think they feel like <laughs> no they feel like they're being made fun of that's it they feel like they're being made fun of that's it because they're the fun of the joke this time that's why they don't yeah. like it yeah <laughs> yeah just like as well has like Sister Act on Letterboxd as well. Most people rate it three stars. I have it down as a five-star film because it's brilliant. It is a five-star film. Yeah. Like, the second one, I would say it's three and a half to four. Mm-hmm. But, again, people are rating that like two stars. And I was like, it's not that bad. Come yeah. on now. And these are the Made in America reviews. Like, oh. most, I think it's first on the camera, but that highest mark is two stars. No. Wow. I thought it was funny. I thought it was good. Whoopi in it is probably one of her best roles I've seen. It's hilarious. Like, it's great. Yeah, it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, if, like um, it's on Disney Plus here, so anyone listening, should watch it. I'm not sure about America, but it's on UK Disney Plus. Yes. Um, totally agree. Um, I kind of want to go through the biopics that are going to be coming out soon, because there are a lot of them. And, like, some of these I see, and I'm like, maybe, but maybe not. Oppenheimer apparently is a biopic, which I yes, know. it's about I think it's is it the nuclear bomb that it's about the making of the nuclear bomb. I guess so. I really didn't know that because um, I saw like the cast list that people were talking about, and I was like, "Y'all really going up for this movie? I guess it must be good." And yeah, I, I was 
I have to admit, I was one of them people that was complaining it wasn't very diverse, but that was at the time I didn't know what it was about. And then yeah. when I saw it was about, I was like, okay, maybe it'd be fine to sit this one out because it sounds like the people it's based on weren't particularly good people. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, seeing Cillian Murphy play literally anyone but who he is at Peaky Blinders, it's kind of like, hmm, okay, let's give it a go. I- I've never seen Peaky Blinders. It's really good. I, I'm going to be honest. I stopped after season three because they made a choice yeah. where I was like, okay, this is not real. <laughs> this is not. I don't know why I made this choice. This is not going to work out for me. No. <laughs> Sorry. No. It's really bad that I've not seen it because I'm pretty sure it's like it's a lot of it's set kind of near where I live. I should probably watch it. I don't know how to describe it exactly. It's just like... Irish men and beer and gangs and like there's a little bit of violence there's a little bit of like talking there's a lot of cursing there's not too much sex going on but it's very interesting it's like it's really like it's I guess the only word I could say for it is like refined and yeah Anya Taylor-Joy is in the show at some point but I don't know if I want to watch it you know because like sometimes you get into a show and they make like one choice and I'm like oh that was enough for me. Yeah. I'm done. That was enough. For me. <laughs> it's a little. It's a little choice in season three, but I'm like, I'm done. I'm okay. I'm over it. Sorry, I can't. I my best friend is like. My best friend is like Tom Hardy's in it. You should like. You would love it. And oh, I was like, but Tom I know he's not in it a lot. Is he in it a lot? I. I he's heard he's in not. it enough. I would say okay. that if you start watching the show, you start liking it. You see him in there. He fits perfectly into the show. He fits okay. perfectly in the show, and he's great in it too. He's a lot of fun. But he's, you're right, he's not in it, like, enough. But he's in there, like, he's in there, you know? You see him. Yeah. You'll okay. see him. Yeah. And also... I know it's on BBC over here. I might give it a go then. He's also this guy from Black Mirror is in the show, too. And he was in Black Mirror episode that was, like, the other version... Oh, my gosh, hold on. Not really have to look into... <laughs> not me having to, like, literally figure out... Okay, Hold on. Yeah. I forget it. You remember the Black... You remember Black Mirror? Remember Black Mirror? That documentary? Yeah. God. Okay. <laughs> Peaky Blinders cast. Okay. The guy's name is Finn... No, it's not. It's not that guy. Yeah, it's Joe Cole. Oh, Black Mirror is even one of his first shows that he's in. Okay, he's a proper brute... He's doing a lot of things. He was in Skins. Oh, I remember he was in Skins. That's how I remember. Oh, I remember. He's in the he's in the um, episode Hang the DJ. That's the dating yes, app one. Yes, Hang the DJ. Yeah. Yeah. It was trying to be. It was trying to be like the other episode of Black Mirror. The San Junipero. Yeah, San Junipero. Yeah. The San Junipero. They spin-off. could not top. Yeah, they could top that. Like, that was fantastic. It was cute, but it was kind of like y'all trying to re- recreate the hype. Yeah. yeah, didn't work. Mm-hmm. And one of the best parts about San Junipero is how it's an LGBT yeah. relationship. Right. And to yeah, and to completely reverse it and do this weird app thing. It it was still good, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. It just you can tell what they were doing. It's not the same. Yeah, I mean I I I feel like if I read that script I would have just had them rework it into a sequel of some sort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um what were we talking about? I was going to read off some um, biopics. Oh, yeah, biopics. And then we, we got off track with Peaky Blinders. Oh, yes, yes. So Sam Taylor Johnson 
will direct an Amy Winehouse biopic. Is it Sam Taylor Johnson? He's a director. Okay, so it's not the guy who's dating the woman who's way too old. Right? That, that's her. That's her. That's probably why I won't watch that then. I didn't know she was directing that. Sam. Oh, wait! It's her. Oh, her name's Sam. Yeah. I never knew her name. Oh. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Stay away from Amy Winehouse. Stay away. Oh, she is a director of... Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, really she directed right like Fifty Shades, oh. and I think they met on Nowhere Boy. I think that's one of hers. Oh yeah, it is. Oh no, that's so. Yeah. <laughs> you know that clip know of, of 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 John Travolta <laughs> when he figured out their age, and he was like, and then James Corden is like, oh, so that's your, you know, boyfriend. And John Travolta's like, he's like, are you for real? He's like, are you for real? <laughs> Be for real right now. Be for real right now, James. <laughs> Listen, I have to show it to you now because, like, wait, okay. Yeah, wait. I've never, I, I didn't know Sam that happened. And I didn't Taylor. know she was directing Amy. I mean, I probably wasn't going to watch Amy in the first place, but that's really per, that's really solidified my decision of not watching the Amy Winehouse film. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I want to, to show you right now. I want to show you right now. Share your screen. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it, but hopefully you will. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Can you hear this? It's a quite a fruity sex yeah. scene <laughs> that you are in, Aaron. And I was thinking when I was watching it, well, I was thinking many things, but mainly I was thinking, <laughs> Sam, what's it like directing your husband in a sex scene with another woman? You saw a look? <laughs> you saw that look? You saw that look you made? was like, wait. <laughs> I was like, hold on. Husband. It's like, <laughs> him fully just turning and him trying to like catch it. It's like, never wanted someone to get a divorce. Listen. I was just reading that one. <laughs> these comments are like savagery, like savagery emotion. Like, I find a lot of the times mm -hmm. the comments on like TikTok videos are better than the the video itself. Yeah. They really make it better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Immediately if you watch the video, you're like, "What's the word I say? What's the word I say?" <laughs> they're just like roasting it, like, "Ooh, girl." People like, in the comments section have no shade, and they don't. like I love it usually. <laughs> they have absolutely no boundaries. They're just like they don't hold back. They let no. loose, and they should. Because the fact that she's with that yeah. boy is like, girl, be for real right now. Like, yeah, I, I do. That is one relationship I know I do not support. Yeah, and obviously I don't support her. You know, directing this Amy Winehouse biopic. Because like the thing about biopics is that they're kind of glorified movies based off people's lives, and that happens also yeah. with like, biographies as well. But a lot of the people that are kind of like revered and idolized behind the scenes have lived lives that are very tragic and very difficult yeah. and gone through things that are very hard or they weren't great people. So yes. the directors and the writers are going to go to lengths because like, obviously biopics are kind of fitting into like the family-friendly genre of like, let's make movies that they can show in the classroom, which I get it. I understand. But also, can we be for real right now? Like Amy Winehouse. Yes. Amy Winehouse. Like the, the documentary Amy is a much better representation of her life. And yep. the way that people literally jump 
and like swim and climb mountains and claw and fight and rip tooth and nail to get the rights to someone's life story is disgusting. It, it seems like with every you know biopic, there seems to be a better documentary because isn't there a Netflix in Simone documentary that that is like. Her, her family was involved in making, mm. and it was nominated for an Oscar and everything. So yeah. already that tells me it's better than the Zoe Saldana film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um, I was just thinking about. It. Oh, there's a Pam and Tommy, I think, series on Hulu. Yeah, and Pamela yeah. Anderson spoke about how she didn't want it to be, you know, made, and how she yep. was upset because, like, I heard, I read this somewhere that, like, basically a judge ruled that, like, her body is public property. Which is disgusting, because, yeah. like, the nudes that leaked and, like, the series yeah. surrounding that kind of scandal. And it sucks that, like, so celebrities and famous people are kind of seen as, like, products rather than seen as just simply people. And I think that ties into a little bit into what's going on with Sydney Sweeney, how, like, she did that interview and how she's talking about how, like, you know, she doesn't make as much money now because people don't make money off of residuals and streaming services don't pay residuals even though people rewatch yeah. euphoria all the time so of course yeah. those actors deserve those residuals for the work they've done because euphoria is like the most streamed service and you know when euphoria was at its height sydney was doing a lot of brand deals but i simply was like i'm gonna chalk it up to the game she's trying to make that money get that bag you know what i mean but for her to talk about how like she truly like cannot like, she can't afford to take a break from acting. She simply has to, like, yeah. keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Because people, of course, don't pay celebrities as much as they do. But it's also because influencers are seeping into Hollywood. And yeah. nothing against... There are a lot of influencers that work hard and deserve to be mainstream and seen that way. But obviously, like, there are actors that are kind of, like, forced into this role of, like, becoming a billboard so they can make their money. And that also yeah. ties into, like how a lot of times famous people's lives, their family, their dating lives, just like everything about them becomes open for consumption by the public. And, you know, people sign up to be like musicians and artists. They don't sign up to be like abused and dragged and demeaned and like ridiculed like Britney Spears in 2007. And now with Free Britney, this whole shift and her having these documentaries done about her, which is great and it's awesome. But, like, it's unfair that there are still people like Pamela Anderson and, like, so many other people where their life stories are just, like, up for grabs and without any thought or consideration to how they feel. No, exactly. And with Pam and Tommy, um, I watched the first episode and it was okay. Hmm. But even watching it, like, because the whole plot is him stealing a sex tape and releasing it to the public, it just... It's uncomfortable to watch mm-hmm. because there's, cause, you know, there's already no consent there, obviously. But then, then you hear about how Pamela Anderson doesn't want to relive, you know, what is a really traumatic part of her life, and for it to be on, you know, over here it's on Disney Plus, so it's even stranger because Disney Plus, you know, over here it was it was the same as in America where it was this big family family um streaming service but then last february they started filtering in loads of um you know mature content and pam and tommy's one of the more recent ones Ooh. but it just feels pam and tommy's on feels weird yeah over here we have a section called star and that's just like the general section so we have because we don't have hulu so oh. everything pretty much everything on hulu 
Ghosts and Disney Plus any? in their start section. No, we don't, know. Why? They've just never launched it. We were meant to get it, like, I want to say, like, ten years ago, and there was adverts for it online, but it just never came out. Hulu doesn't exist in the UK? I don't think Hulu exists outside of America. You're lying! <laughs> You're lying! <No>. You're lying! <laughs> Wait! I think I think for real? Yeah. Wow! I'll show you. Uh, what well, I'll, I'll show you what our Disney Plus looks like. I have it on my phone. That's crazy to me. That's crazy. That makes sense why they merged ESPN, Disney Plus, and Hulu in a bundle here. How much do you pay for Disney Plus? How much do I pay? Yeah. How much does your family pay? I don't know. Um, I think it's about it's like seventy, eighty pounds for the year, and uh, maybe oh. eight ninety nine a month. It works out the same, I think. Oh, yeah, it does, it does. That's interesting. Wow. But it's since they've added loads of stuff on, it's gotten much better, because that was an issue over here. People were getting so bored of it quick, because it's just, you know, family films we've all seen before. Oh, nostalgia, right. Like, where's the camera? (laughs) (laughs) It's like the Die Hard collection, the Alien collection, Predator, the Horror collection... That's interesting. So the horror section. So that's the horror section. A lot of red going on. 28 Days Later, oh. American Horror Story. We've even got... It's not a Disney show, but Disney shut down the channel. It, it, uh, the Walking Dead aired on FX, and when they introduced Star, they shut down the FX channel. So now we oh. have The Walking Dead on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> have, so you haven't watched Atlanta? Have you watched Atlanta? We have Atlanta on here. Where? It's a Disney, it's a Disney Plus original here now. That's so weird. It's a Disney I still find it strange. It's it's very strange. Some of the stuff on there, you're just like, oh, should that be on here? Like like Pam and Tommy. But, you know, everything seems to be on there now. And because since they've done that, it's actually become one of the better streaming services, in my opinion. And uh, coming soon, Prey, the new Predator film. Oh. There are some people in our group chat talking about that. I want a screener for it. I need somebody to send me a screener so my, I can watch it. I got my screener today, but I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> I'll get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> cut this part out. Editor, cut this part out. Editor, cut this part out, please. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the Pam and Tommy one, I wasn't going to watch because, like, as much as I love Sebastian Stan, I feel like he's making some, like, interesting choices in, like, the roles he's taking, which is good for him that he's yeah. taking on more roles because he used to be an actor who really only did, like, Marvel. Kind of. And yeah. I understand that, like, in yeah. your contract with Marvel, there are certain roles you can't take on because time permitting. Like, how Elizabeth Olsen talked about how she wanted to be in The Lobster, but she couldn't be in that movie because it didn't permit it to her contract. Which obviously sucks because yeah. she's a great actress. And she also has a show on Facebook Watch called Sorry for Your Loss. I told someone at my work about that once, and she, they were like, Where do I watch it? And I'm like, On Facebook. Like, really? I'm like, Yes, it's on, it's on Facebook. Like, you can watch. <laughs> You can watch TV shows on Facebook. You can also watch, like, you know, clips and highlight reels because they have, like, suddenly Facebook has become YouTube. I don't know. But, like, it's, yeah. like, it's really good. And she's very talented. But, um, you know, obviously when you're doing, like, a biopic and when writers and directors make the creative choice to ignore the wishes of the people that they're making it about... It irks me. And then, like, as an actor, you're just going along with it. Which kind of, like, you know, I get it. People have to act. People have to eat. People got to get bread and make money and all that. But 
I don't know. It just feels kind of weird to me. There is one film. Yeah. There's one biopic that I heard about that like consulted the family and but like the biopic is not good. It's called The Best of Enemies. It stars Taraji P. Henson and Sam Rockwell. It's literally a movie. Oh. Uh huh. For those who don't know, it's a movie about uh, a civil rights leader who is friends with a local Ku Klux Klan member. Leader. He's a Ku Klux Klan leader. And it follows their strange relationship during 1971 where they co-chair a community summit on desegregation in the schools in Durham, North Carolina. And it's based off of a real book, obviously. And, you know, it didn't break the budget at the box office. It wasn't really that talked about. It's not, it's kind of well-reviewed, but not really. It's kind of like towing the line of like, it's okay to watch, but it's just a kind of another, it's another one of those films that people have made where in the time that we live in, where there is racial divide, all around this movie could bring people together so that we can all come in a coalition to you know coexist with one another a lot of co-words you know what i mean but the thing that i do not want is to coexist with ku klux klan leaders that's not for me and as much as i love Tori yeah. henson and as much as i adore sam rockwell sam rockwell me and your agent have to live a little talk because I don't know why you keep taking these roles. You have you were nominated for an Oscar. Um, what's going on? Like it's kind of like it's that movie's kind of like Hidden Figures, but not really because Hidden Figures is a good movie. You know, even though yep. the guy Michael Keaton characters Michael Keaton's characters was not real, it's a Hidden Figures is a good movie. It tells a great story, yeah. but. The Best of Enemies is obviously, like, another movie where, like, let's make a film about race, but at the end, the oppressor and the oppressed come together as one. Because this is happening in 1971. He is a KKK leader. There's no shying away from the fact that he is a racist. He is part of a group that's whole ideology is that white people are supreme and powerful and that anyone else who is not like them should not be in existence. And she's yeah. a civil rights leader, someone who is about unity and togetherness, of course, but also about working with communities of color to bring better education, food, resources, and to uplift her community that is not being uplifted in the way that it deserves to be. And that's because the person she's friends with keeps going to people's houses and dragging them out of their houses and burning crosses in their lawns and lynching people. Yeah. There's a very clear line, there's a very clear divide between the two people and their ideologies and them being friends. It's not something that, like, why would I want to yeah. watch this? And another thing is that, like, them in interviews, like, Taraji B. Hansen and Sam Rockwell are hilarious. They have great chemistry. They're very funny. You watch interviews with the two of them together, you think they're best friends. And it sucks that it has to be for this movie. Yeah, like, um, it sounds like I call them, I call those types of films, uh, it's like racist with the heart of gold yeah. type films. Yeah. And like, like that film with Amanda Steinberg with the, it's oh, like in World War Two. Oh my gosh, we're here like touch! Yeah, touched. that's it. Like, you know that movie made so less than $2,000 in the box office. Less than <laughs> 2000 <laughs> Eh. Eh. 
You know what? I'm a Asante. You you know your sins. At the end of the day, you will know your sins. Eh? I'm a Asante. You will not you will not go and punish. Yeah. <laughs> all of her all of her movies are like that. All of them. Yeah. All of them are biracial love stories. That's because she's a white man. Uh, Maybe that's not no, why, but like this is it what makes I'm sense. my friend. Huh? That's what I was telling my friend, yeah. Belle, When Hands Touch, uh-huh. and uh, I think it's called United Kingdom, all interracial love stories. <laughs> like, Remember when okay. um, Han, Han shared the video on Twitter, and then it, it trended? Everyone was talking yeah, about it? Yeah, and yes. the director saw it. <laughs> and everyone saw it! Oh my gosh, that was crazy! <laughs> that yeah. was crazy day on Twitter, that was crazy! <laughs> like, I think... I think the director's talented because I do like Belle. I think Belle's a good film, and she's directed some episodes of The Handmaid's Tale that are some of the best episodes, I think. Mm. But when it comes to she, I, she like Belle seems to be like a one-hit wonder, and in, I feel like she needs to stick with television for a while or change up her entire formula. Formula. I don't know why she's only making interracial love stories. I it, some people have when, when you make yeah yeah and. Like, but when you make like three in a row, it starts to feel a bit fetishy. <laughs> well, maybe. I, mean, I don't know. Like, there are some people where like you see the things that they're doing, and it's kind of like, what's going on here? Like, this is a theory of mine. Andrew Garfield, sir, I love you, but whatever <laughs> you were trying to work out in therapy, you playing three different flavors of Christianity is kind of interesting. Oh you yeah. Know? And then, yeah. like, the rumors that he's... was like, oh, we get it. Like, oh, probably. Because there were, like... Yeah, I mean, he kisses in- a lot of men on TV yes. for some reason. Like, on yes. live TV. Yes. <laughs> yes, he does. And then his girlfriend making that post that, like, they're still together. It's like, okay, girl, we wasn't going to take your man anyways. But, you know, you don't talk about us. I don't even know where your man at. So, it's fine. But, like, you know, it's kind of like... What are we working through that we need to be working through in therapy? Like, you embodying a certain preacher with Jessica Chastain, what's the end goal here? What's the the end game? And I just watched, literally before I came on the podcast, I watched an episode of Under the Banner of Heaven where he plays a Mormon. (laughs) I'm going to watch that. (laughs) I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to love it. Eh? (laughs) <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> oh my gosh! They keep inviting him to these award shows, and he just—he's just there. He's just there. Yeah. He's, it... like he was in Spider-Man, then he disappeared for a little while, and he did the odd thing, but now he's just kind of blown up. The thing is, is that and Andrew am... Garfield is the kind of celebrity where no matter what, no matter how long they are, no matter how much time is in between a project of theirs, when they pop back up, you gonna know. You go oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we can always trust in Andrew. I know he was butthurt that he didn't get his third movie. and You know, I get it. Yeah, which is why I'm surprised he came back for No Way Home, because I feel like I would still be better about it. But I'm a hater, as I said. I, I would still be better. <laughs> the thing about Andrew... But, I mean, if they offered me $30 million, maybe I would change my mind. But he's also, like, so sweet and, like, mm-hmm. genuine... Like, yeah. when Emma uh, Stone won her won her Oscar for La La Land, he was crying. And I was like, how does this man have a heart of gold? Who is he? 
also a writer. I, he is he a did, writer. He did Ex Machina. Ex Machina? Yeah. yeah. Which is very interesting. Um, he also did The Beach, 28 Days Later, Sunshine, Never Let Me Go. 28 Days Later, I have heard about that movie. Yeah, he's done Oh, one. that's a good film. He also wrote Annihilation, and he also has worked on Devs, which is a TV series that I've been meaning to watch for a long time. But, um, obviously, like, I'm gonna be real with you. A film where the premise is simply that, like, it's dangerous to be a woman. Like, yeah, it is. And that feels very basic. Yeah. And if there's, like, nuance or if there's something added to the movie that I do not get, that I will get when I watch it, then that's great. That's awesome. But at first glance, it's not something that I really want to see because if the main objective of the movie or the main... Like, if the main horror in the movie is that men are scary and they hurt women and they hunt down women, yeah, they do that. Yep. Okay, thank you. Like... Yeah, see, with men, it starts out like that, and then they try and add more and more to it to yeah. kind of to kind of distance themselves from that, and it becomes more mytho- mythological in a way. But it doesn't really work because they've already set themselves as doing one thing, and then it just twists all of a sudden the closer yeah. you get to the ending, and then it's just this whole mad mess by the end that just feels like they were making it up as they go along, and. And, and, like, the beginning is the most scary part where, you know, it's, it's like what you said, you know, be wary of men. That That is the scariest part. And it does work for the most part. You know, well, I'm a man, so, you know, I, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't really recommend watching it because it doesn't really have much to say. And mm-hmm. it completely flips whatever message it was trying to say on its head and turns into this big kind of folkloric tale. And yeah, I like I didn't really get what they were trying to tell me. I am glad that uh, Papa Asidu, Asidu, Asidu. I'm glad that he's in this movie because he's also in uh, I May Destroy You, which is a Michaela Cole joint. Who is? Oh, I that was that was fantastic. That I was Michaela jo- Cole, ma'am. I please. The next time you make a show, please give us another season. I know Tuesday yes. was canceled, but like that and then Black Earth Rising and now I May Destroy You. Like, can I get two seasons? Yeah. Please? Like, I know you're Black Panther and like you're busy, but could you like possibly give me a second season? Thank you very much. <laughs> That's all I ask. Like, don't do like Phoebe Waller Bridge. Give us a show that absolutely destroys me and then disappear. Gone. Poof. Yeah. Nowhere to be seen. <laughs> Phoebe. Phoebe, where are you? Phoebe, where are you? Where are you? Where are you, girl? Where'd you go? <coughs> I get that the priest broke your heart, but she had to break mine, too. Like, dang, girl, what'd I do to you? I'm just trying to support you. I'm just trying to love you. Ugh. Yeah. But, um, another reason why I'm excited for this biopic with Elijah Kelly is that biopics are, um, Oscar bait. They are. Yeah. But if this biopic does get a lot of buzz for, like, Emmys and stuff, I want Elijah Kelly on the fast track. He is an amazing yeah. actor. He's a phenomenal singer. He's yeah. a great dancer. So him being in this Sammy, Dave, Sammy Davis Jr. biopic is great, this Hulu series. Also, it's somebody in history that people don't really know about. 
and isn't really like, talked about a lot because black history isn't taught as much. So for this yeah. to do well would be really great. And that's a good thing about biopics because they can serve as a way to teach us about people that people don't really know about. Like um, Billie Holiday. Billie Holiday has two biopics. She has one with Queen Latifah that was directed by Dee Reese, which is amazing. And then she has the other one with Andre Day that's on Hulu. And Andre Day is a really great singer, and she's a very good actress. Like, her in that... She was Did great. Diana Ross play her, too? Did Diana Ross play... Hold on. Diana... What's Lady, Sing- Lady uh, Sings the Blues? Is that about a different singer? Billie Holiday. Lady Sings the Blues, a 1972 film. Oh, and Billy D. Williams is in this movie, too. And Richard Pryor. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I have to watch this. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely have to watch this. Wow. It's two hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> not you giving, not you giving Endgame. Oh my gosh. Oh well. well. I'll watch it anyways. I'll watch it. I don't care. And, um, I'll give it a go. I think Audrey, I saw Audrey McDonald in a play uh-huh. um, years ago now. I think she played Billie Holiday in that. I'm going to have to Google it. Is it like Lady, I think it was Lady Day at the Emerson Bar and Grill. Oh. That was, that's what it was called. And she, I think she played Billie Holiday. But that was a play. It wasn't a film. Also, there are a lot of, like, well-known figures in history that a lot of people, like, when it comes to talking about biopics, it's like this person. Josephine Baker yep. getting her own biopic makes sense because she is someone who's known in black history and also in American history. And she's very talented and amazing. As well as, never mind, A Star is Born isn't a biopic, right? It's a remake. Yeah, it's a remake of, where it's like the, the Lady Gaga one is like the seventh remake of the same Isn't story. Like a, actually the third, because Barbara Streisand did one as well. Yeah, so yeah. there was, it's the Judy Garland one is a remake yes. thing. And there's like two Indian versions, which I'm not sure if they count because they're like, because Bollywood have a tendency to unofficially remake American films sometimes. I'm not sure if they're official remakes, but... Nevertheless, there are at least there are at least two Indian ones. Uh, You're lying. One, so the Lady Gaga one is the fourth remake, I think. Wow. There's a 1954. I'm on Wikipedia. Oh, this isn't just me making it up on, on top of my head. 1954, 1976, then it's uh, and then 1937. It's, yeah, it's been remade four times, including a television adaptation, and unofficial Hindi remake in 1973 and 2013 and and the 2013 one was remade as well <laughs> they just we just love that story What's the, Star Wars the 2013 one is um another Indian remake I think it's a remake oh. of one of the previous Indian remakes oh yeah <laughs> there it is Wow. The thing is, is that A Star is Born is kind of structured in the same way that a lot of music biopics are structured. And yeah. it's interesting that a lot of biopics are about musicians. Yeah. Because I yeah. think musicians, like, I honestly think that musicians are very vulnerable, especially like the interviews they give and the music that they make. Because people yeah. love to deconstruct lyrics and they love to get into people's personal lives 
And people love to just tell stories about people all the time, like the producers and the friends of their friends and the family and like the maid and the nanny. Like they love to share things. So once you get into an interview, everybody's trying to tell you what's what and who's doing who and what's like the dealio, you know what I mean? And it really does suck because a lot of musicians also have documentaries. Like Justin Bieber has like five. Yeah. He has so (laughs) many documentaries about himself. When, like, you are a white boy trying to make R&B, and you don't. You make pop music. Like, yeah, and he's not even that old to have that many documentaries, in not. my opinion. <laughs> he's not. He's not. He's not that old. He hasn't not. lived a full life. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of documentaries about musicians come out during, like, the, the peak of their, you know, fame. Like, Katy Perry's came out around the same time um, California Girls was popular and everything. And, like... Whew, I watched Katy Perry when I was younger. Man, for her to take that phone call before going on stage, the way if I was her friend, I'd be like, girl, you get on stage, I'm getting in the car. Russell is about to hear from me. He's about to see me at his door. Okay? Please. Katy Perry? I've not seen that, but I think I've seen the scene you're talking about. Is that where she's about to go, she's crying and she's about yeah. to perform? Yeah. And she rises, uh, that's like literally the only... I've seen it through Twitter. This is the only part of the film I've seen. It's, but, um, it's absolutely devastating. It's devastating to watch. Is it a doc- it's a doc- I always thought it was like a concert film. Is it a documentary? It's a concert. Or is it a bit of both? It's a bit of both. Oh, okay. Kind of like both. this yeah. is it. Kind of like this oh. is it. Kind of like 5-2. Kind of like Never Say Never. Also, I think yeah. Ariana Grande has one as well. I think Ariana Grande has one as well. Yeah. I feel um, like I've seen that on the books. Yeah. Obviously, the one that takes the cake is Homecoming, of course. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, it's like, oof, let's talk about Homecoming for a second. There is a clear distinction when the director, producer, and writer, who is Beyonce of Homecoming, cares about the level of work, effort, and talent that is portrayed in a film and not to like impress people and not to like show you like obviously to like show you I'm that girl because she is that girl but also yeah. to be like you saw what I did but you don't know the amount of effort and work I really put into this like what is yeah. really like put into the things that I create because people want to say a whole lot of things about Beyonce and you can say whatever you want like when people are like already trying to like downplay Renaissance and whether where it would rank in her like albums listen I'm saying this as a Beyonce fan stop talking badly about four four is a phenomenal album yeah actually like four is that hits after hits after hits after hits four is my favorite album stop it please <laughs> leave it alone okay all right please god i know it's her most pop album but it's still good all right but as i was saying there's a very clear distinction when you watch a movie and the people behind the film the director the producer when they have the intent to portray a story that is truly trying to tell the story of the person the film was about you see it in everything that is done and you don't need to yeah. rely on like actors interviews reviewers or like accolades in order to prove the film's worth when you see a film and you're so thinking about it the next day that's when it's done its job Beyonce spending nine months creating something that was a moment performing for like two and a half hours 
at one of the biggest festivals, being the first black woman to headline Coachella, and that was still talked about from this day. Baychella has been repackaged into Harrychella, Arichella, but there's only one Baychella. Okay? Yeah. It wasn't even called Baychella. It was called Homecoming. Okay? On top of that. <laughs> Thank you. So, yes. And also, like, Jennifer. Jenny from the block. Jenny from around the way. We love you. But you doing a halftime documentary special and then trying to downplay Shakira and her success is funny because Shakira, Shakira, Shakira is loved internationally. Mm. We like you here. We like you. You know, I like Monster-in-Law. It was fun. I like Maid of Honor. It was a fun movie. I don't know any of her songs. Yeah, and, and from the evidence I've is, seen, I feel like... Rumor is, rumor is, Ashante was singing your songs. Yeah, oh. that's what I was about to say. <laughs> and the evidence is pretty damning hmm. to the point where I feel like I believe it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I would much rather want to know what work Shakira, Shakira, Shakira put into the halftime show and how it was probably light work for her. But you were, yeah. you know, not trying to downplay. Obviously, like, like Super Bowl halftime show... That's a great get, and that's huge. It's an honor. And, like, obviously, Jennifer Lopez works very hard. Very beautiful. Too talented in a lot yeah. of areas. But I feel like Jennifer Lopez is someone who, like, yeah, she could sing. Yeah. And, like, obviously, there are people that, like, there are singers that know how to dance, and there are dancers that know how to sing. Yeah. Jennifer and Lopez. With J-Lo, I feel like she's, sorry? She is a dancer that can sing, you know? Yeah. And I feel like she's a better actress than she is a singer. Mm-hmm. Like, um, she's brilliant in Selena. And even, uh, I, I feel like I've only seen her in, like, two films. But maybe in <laughs> She's <laughs> great in a uh, romance. She was, she was just in a that. romance movie with Owen Wilson. Is oh, I know, I know what you're talking about. I've not seen it. Is he homeless in it? I think. I don't think he's homeless. But I think he's just, like, not. I think the premise of the movie is basically, like, I'm pretty sure that, like, she's famous and... They kind of like the people think that they're dating, so then they start dating. Oh, okay. I like that trope, like the fake dating, and then they like accidentally fall in love. I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I find it's harmless a lot of the time, yeah. and it's fun if done right. <laughs> um. Also, J Lo, like, it's so funny to me that J Lo dates white men in these movies, and like the start of her career was her hanging out with all these black men in hip hop, and her also saying the n word was like. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, she did that. I think it was, I didn't know she did that. I think she was it was with Fat Joe. You know Fat Joe? Yeah. I think it no, was No, I don't think so. You know Remy Ma? Sorry? <laughs> Remy Ma Remy Ma, I oh, I don't think I know him. You don't know Remy that's a woman. You don't know oh, Remy Ma? Yeah, I don't know. You remember I don't know. when uh Nicki Minaj was beefing with that rapper? Oh, is that what the is that who the stupid hoe song is about? No, that was that way else? stupid hoe is about Lil Kim. Oh, that was okay. way after super hoe. That was way after. Oh, I don't that know was then. Way after, but it's fine. It's okay. Um, See, my my friends say I need to get more into music because <laughs> I find myself just listening to musicals. <laughs> I mean, same, <laughs> same. But you know, no, I just saw six. That's all I've been listening to. You were listening to what? Six? 
fix. Oh yeah. my gosh, I need to see that musical. I love so many people oh, talking it's about it. Fantastic. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. I highly recommend. Oh my gosh. Um. But in, before we move on mm-hmm. from Shakira, Shakira, I've been re- Shakira. trying to re- I've been trying to rewrite this narr- narrative because obviously, like, um, I'm not a fan of J.K. Rowling anymore. So I've joined the bandwagon of rewriting the narrative that Shakira is actually the author of the Harry Potter books. And I mean, I'm going to use this as evidence. <laughs> you can't really see it, but that's Shakira with Rupert Grint and Emma Watson. And my friends are like, Jordan, you can't say that. I was like, I can say what I want. Shakira wrote the Harry Potter books. You can say what you want. Yeah. <laughs> I can say Dolly Parton wrote the Harry Potter books. I I, I stand that because yeah. I love her. Yeah, Dolly Parton is amazing. <laughs> yes. Um, I think we were talking about director's intent. Um, yeah, there are also biopics where like it's obvious that they're kind of glorifying the person and... This is where we're going to transition into, like, listen, I was doing a lot of research for this podcast, and one YouTuber, her name is Mina Lee, or Mena Lee, I think, she did a video. I think I, I, think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, she's, like, Asian-American, thin eyebrows, very much fashionable. She holds her mic, YouTuber. Oh, no, I don't know who, I, I don't know. Okay, this. I'll send you a video of hers, because she's actually really, like, interesting, and I like her videos, but basically, like, she, when she was talking about, like, is Hollywood going too far with biopics, or is Hollywood running out of ideas, she basically brought up the point that, like, true crime kind of fits into biopics, and I agree with that to a certain extent, because, like, like I said with Homecoming, Beyonce obviously put in so much work and effort to showcase her love for music and the things that she brings, and what this performance meant to her, because she didn't yeah. go to college she had Destiny's Child, and she performed for most of her life. So for her to do this and to celebrate, like, HBCUs and celebrate Black culture at a festival that is so well-known and, like, so universally sought after, and Beyoncé being a universally loved artist, she wants to bring apart that love, you know, so people can see it. And the work, the effort, the time, the sweat, the tears, like... Everything that she put forth on that stage, she brought into practice every single day, which a lot of people cannot say when they are musicians or just in their everyday life. And that's something that Beyonce stands by, and that's something that has never faltered or has never, like, you know, has never stopped. You know, she's always been someone who's extremely hardworking, refined, vocally trained, trained in choreography and everything that she does, and she's always switching it up and doing something different, and... That's what made Homecoming stand out, apart from, like, other musical documentaries. Because they show the tour and they show the life and all that. But with Homecoming, it's, like, this one performance. But it is done to the nines where everything has to just hit just right and everything is together. And Beyonce's like, I know I'm on point. I know my dancers are on point. So you can't tell me anything about it. (laughs) That's simply it. Because there is a part in the film where she's like you're not taking my notes you're not listening to me people are not hitting the beats i don't hear the notes being taken so we might as well go home for the day and i said you're like beyonce i have no idea what you're talking about because i see everything i think everybody's doing pretty good well i must be wrong i must be wrong because she's like giving it to them and i'm like oh yeah you're right girl they're not hitting them notes you're right. They, they're late on the A count. You're right. You're right. And I'm like, that couldn't be me. That couldn't be me. Plus, Beyonce on my neck, I was simply just up. 
I would just be like, oh, take me out. Let the paramedics put me in the body bag. I'm done. I can't. Imagine being down at like, Beyonce. I feel like I would just like melt into the ground and die. <laughs> melt into the ground. 